welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. Our season look back series continues as we roll into an action-packed February. From an iconic Steven Adams shimmy to one of the most memorable all-star games of all time, we're recounting all of it. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. Our last look back was all about a grueling January where the Thunder played 17 games in 31 days and encountered their fair share of adversity. And after that, February looked a whole lot different with only 10 games, seven of which were at home and plus a nice all-star break. So the Thunder got a nice breather after the toughest month of the season. Definitely a lot more easygoing on our travel schedule, our life schedule. I felt like I was finally home, able to unpack my bags, not living out of a suitcase. So that was nice. In Paris, we actually got to see each other and like report together and, and talk. <laughs> I know. I felt like I didn't really get to see you that much in January, but February, we got to see the players a lot more in the Thunder practice facility and just in person more often. So that was nice as well. Um, but there's still a lot that happened in February. And so in this pod, we're going to hit the major moments. And of course, some of the moments that might have gotten missed in the scheme of everything that was going on. Just for a little bit of context, because February was a while back, the Thunder started out the month on a four-day break after a grueling January and started with two back-to-back -back wins over Cleveland and Detroit, followed by a couple of losses to Boston and San Antonio, and from there, the Thunder ripped off five straight wins going into the bulk of this month. And just for context, you know, that first four games after the four-day break, the coaching staff wasn't exactly thrilled with the way that that homestand went. You know, the two wins over Cleveland and Detroit were both kind of just ho-hum, didn't play particularly great um, on either end of the floor, particularly offensively, they just weren't exactly sharp in themselves. The best game, actually, that the Thunder played in that whole stretch was the, the home game against Boston that they lost by one. Uh, that was some nice foreshadowing uh, for the future meeting in, in March, which we'll talk about in next pod. But uh, the loss against San Antonio wasn't so great, and, and so it all kind of set up this situation where they're heading into the All-Star break to play New Orleans. Uh, and they got that win at New Orleans and then came out of the break just gangbusters with a massive statement win over the Denver Nuggets at home. And that was Denver's only division loss all season. And that was another really good foreshadowing going into the Thunder's incredible victory over San Antonio where eight players scored in double figures because in the game against Denver, they had seven in double figures. And one of the key quotes that stuck out to me about this game was Chris Paul saying, we don't have the benefit of easing into the back half of this schedule. And with this win over Denver, they really sent that message. Yeah. Jokic, you know, did his thing, but really the Thunder was just better throughout the night. They limited everybody else from doing much of anything. And by the end of that game, Jokic was just tired. He was exhausted. You could see he had his hands on his knees. Steven Adams had really uh, worn him down through the course of that game. And just with the barrage of guard play that the Thunder had, uh, Denver wasn't able to keep up that night. So it was great. Uh, that set up, as you mentioned, Paris, that five-game run there towards the end of the month where just some kind of wild games, the, the San Antonio win, and then the, the just huge lead that they had at Chicago that then got slashed in the second half, and they had to fight and claw to get that win up in Chicago. And then the reverse happened a couple days later at home against Sacramento, 
when the Thunder came back from being down big in that second half. Even though the Thunder only played in three road games in February, they were still on a really big run in those road games, playing really well away from Chesapeake Energy Arena. Yeah, nine straight road wins for the Thunder. That was a record for the franchise since it moved to Oklahoma City. So uh, really impressive stuff. Just showed the poise of this team. And really, I, I look at one game as an example of maybe being the most important win of the season for the Thunder. And it was right before the All-Star break at New Orleans. And the Thunder had lost two straight games at home to San Antonio and Boston. And so they were potentially looking at limping into the All-Star break with a three-game losing streak. You never really want that to be the case. And during this month, we were starting to get that jockeying for playoff positioning. So to lose three straight games heading into the break was going to look really bad for this team. And yet they mustered up the, the courage, the strength, the resolve, and they took care of business in crunch time against the Pelicans. And that was just a fantastic way to, to close out the break. And I just remember being in that locker room down in New Orleans and Chris Paul saying, there is nothing better than winning that last game before the break. A lot of really cool things happened in that game. Uh, obviously, a great win going into the All-Star break. Danilo had a fantastic game, and we'll get into a little bit more of that a little later on. But one thing that really stuck out was Steven Adams. That was his shimmy game. We can't forget yeah, the, about that. The half-court heave where he does a, a shimmy towards the, the bench afterwards. He also had a crucial bucket inside of the final two minutes there. SGA drove middle, attracted two defenders, and dropped off for Steven to push a little shot into, into the hoop. Danilo followed it up with just absolutely abusing Zion on a pump-and-go baseline, dribble drive, pull-up jumper. Um, that was sensational there in the final couple minutes to seal that victory. Absolutely, and that's one of the games where it was a series sweep over the Pelicans and the Thunder really established that this is how they're going to play. doesn't matter the circumstances. doesn't matter that it's February and they're winding down on games or going into the All-Star break. We're going to keep our foot down on the gas and we're going to keep going. And the Thunder had a very similar encounter on February 23rd against San Antonio. And this game, similar to the Pelicans game, had a lot going for it just in terms of the things that the Thunder accomplished in that game. The headliner being that eight Thunder players recorded double figures. That was a Thunder record. Yeah, they were spreading the wealth. You know, Paris, around here, we like to spread the wealth too. We let producer Hindi get on in on the action. Maybe baby Cohen even gets involved too with some producing duties. So, you know, the, the Thunder really does a nice job throughout the course of the season giving the ball, spreading it around, making sure that they're playing with the pass. And that really all came to a head that night against San Antonio. And not only that, but we also had three players with double doubles that game. And you just saw so many different players really get in on the action. Lou Dort, a tremendous game for him, perfect from the field, coming in and being a spark plug of energy. And he really did have some critical defensive and offensive possessions to keep the Thunder's energy high throughout that game. Nerlens Noel also, he was perfect from the field. So just things were guys, going good offensively for the Thunder. You know, in basketball, it's typically a lot better when you make shots than you miss them. And uh, the Thunder <laughs> proved that against San Antonio. When the, when the ball goes in the bucket, good things happen. Not to mention, it was also the largest margin of victory for the Thunder over San Antonio at the time. So 
just overall a very historic game and just a lot going for the Thunder in this particular game. And some of that might have gotten missed, one of which was the fact that this was the game where Chris Paul passed Clyde Drexler for seventh all time in steals. CP just marching up that list. He's coming for Mo Cheeks, the Thunder assistant coach, who is fifth all time in steals. CP already passed Mo, who is 13th in assists all time. And CP is in the top 10 in that category as well. So uh, he's record hunting. Chris Paul also had another incredible feat that might have gotten lost in everything. And it was the fact that he played in his 1,000th career game in the first game in February against Cleveland on the 5th. And there was a really good game for the Thunder. And something else to mention about this, Chris Paul played in 1,000 career games and started in every single one of them. One other stat I'm going to throw at you, Paris. CP has had at least two assists in every single game that he's played in his career. That's why he is the ultimate floor general. Producer Hindi actually just put in our chat, what have you guys done a thousand of? I think this is a good question here because that's kind of a hard thing to think about. I don't know how many things I've done a thousand of, and I can only assume that maybe over the course of my basketball career from six years old to college, Maybe I played in a thousand games. Maybe. Yeah, I could see. The seasons are much shorter. (laughs) Much, much shorter. We're not playing 82 games. But maybe over the span of that time period, maybe. Like do driveway games count? Like you and your friends playing three on three, does that count as a game? Anytime you're keeping score, that's a game. All right. There you go. I love it. (laughs) Anytime you can lose, it's a game. (laughs) I I think that I am approaching a thousand total NBA games if you include preseason and postseason, but I don't think I'm quite to a thousand yet. But I was sitting here trying to think of what have I done a thousand times? Some monotonous thing, you know, laundry or dishes or a thousand loads of laundry. Locking your door, you know, you've locked your door a thousand times probably. I don't think I've walked Heidi a thousand times yet, but I swear she has chased a thousand squirrels. <laughs> If Heidi was on, that would be definitely what she would point out. <laughs> and she's going to catch it 1,001. The, the 1,001st, she's going to catch that. D- it, it, you just got to keep going. She's convinced. You can't yeah. stop. Yeah. We hinted at this a little bit earlier in the podcast, but on that same game, the very important game against New Orleans, it was the birth of Dormo Venti, the one and only Danilo Gallinari, who we had on the podcast last week. And... It was, he had an absolutely incredible game. Dormo Venti, that is not a Starbucks order, just to be clear. That means 20 in your sleep, and that's what Danilo gives opponents every single night. He was three of five from three-point range, 12 of 18 from the field, 29 points. Absolutely just emblematic of what he's able to do on the basketball floor. And it was an incredible game to help the Thunder go into the All-Star break on a really high note. Just uh, as always, as he's done all season long, we talked to him about it on the pod last week, getting those mismatches, getting cross-matched against a smaller guy, he's going to put him in the post. When he had Zion on him, a, a younger guy that's maybe lacking some experience, hit him with a pump fake and that dribble drive jumper to kind of seal the victory. So Danilo, he's got all the tricks. Not to mention, that was one of the games, he was 42 of the 47 games that he'd played so far that's in that point in the season, he had hit at least two three-pointers. 
it was just so it's just so easy for him he's lights out and he can score behind the three-point line and inside like you're mentioning yeah uh what's the word for reliable in italian because that's basically what danilo is right now i should know that i used to study italian Uh, come on come on other gallo uh affidabile (laughs) affidabile Sorry, producer Hindi, we're making your job a lot harder. <laughs> Here at the Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing. And surely you didn't think we were going to forget about All-Star Weekend. It was an absolutely action-packed weekend. And the Thunder had two representatives in Chicago that weekend. SGA in his second straight Rising Stars game and also replacing Derrick Rose in the Skills Challenge. And of course, the 10-time All-Star Chris Paul participating in an absolutely memorable, incredible All-Star game. Let's start with Shea, who you know showed out for sure in the Rising Stars game. Definitely one of the better players on the floor in that matchup between the world team and the U.S. team. Uh, and then Skills Challenge... That didn't go quite as hot for Shea, but, you know, that's such a crapshoot. You, you miss one part of it, and you're done. So uh, it, was, it was all part of a fun uh, all-star Saturday night, though, with the three-point contest and dunk contest and all that. And the really cool thing about All-Star Weekend is there is a lot to do with what happens on the court, but what happens off the floor is just as entertaining and just as fun. And Shea got to show off all of his awesome outfits and swag, you know, going to different events. So it was really cool to see him in that environment during that weekend. Had to be bundled up. It was cold up there. <laughs> were you, were you bumbled, bundled up up there? No doubt about it. Yeah, I don't know how Shea was getting those, those fits off with, uh, with it being so cold. No, you know he loves those big puffer jackets. I'm sure he was feeling nice and toasty. That's true. Yeah, it's true. It worked to his favor. (laughs) Meanwhile, Chris Paul also really involved off the floor. But one of the things that really was just headlining was his performance during the All-Star game. He shot an incredible clip from behind the arc, made seven three-pointers, had 23 points, And on Team LeBron, who ended up winning the game during a a new format to the All-Star game, which just, like, led to an absolutely memorable finish. Yeah, the All-Star game finished with the Elam ending, which is basically a a scoring tabulation that means at the beginning of the fourth quarter, each team has to score a certain amount of points in order to win. So no matter what, a shot has to be made for the game to end. Chris Paul was at the forefront of suggesting that as the ending. So he really had his fingerprints all over this. You mentioned the three point shooting. He also was playing deep into crunch time, even though he wasn't a starter, he, he finished out this game. Not to mention, Nick, we have to talk about this. You had some incredible advice on the podcast on a a strategy to make sure that you're in the running for MVP. And Chris followed that and was actually in the running. He, I think was in the final four in terms of voting for MVP and I got to say, you know, the, the take a bunch of threes early on and see if you make them, that's a good strategy. Because if you can get up to nine, 12 points, something like that, in that first quarter, you're in good shape. And CP put himself in there and, and everybody kept passing the ball after that. And kept him in the game at the end and helped Team LeBron win. That's all, all you can ask for. He did a great job in those closing moments of setting screens, actually. I mean, he's the smallest guy on the floor, but he's the one setting screens getting the switches and the mismatches that you needed. 
He got LeBron a bucket and then, you know, helped facilitate basically a, a way to get a switch so that Anthony Davis could get fouled and knock down that critical free throw to win the game. It's the true measure of a point guard is knowing that even if I don't have the ball in my hands, I can be a facilitator. The one thing that we didn't mention that actually happened in the All-Star game was Chris Paul's dunk. And that certainly made us look because it came out of nowhere. An alley-oop from Russell Westbrook. Those guys are friends off the court. And you just weren't expecting to see CP rise up, catch the ball in a perfect spot and slam home an alley-oop dunk. Definitely a statement that he still got it. But I don't know which one was better, Nick. The Chris Paul dunk or the Steven shimmy? So Steven catches the ball right before halftime in that New Orleans game, right before the All-Star break. And there was like, it almost looked like a little play that was on between him and Chris. And they had set it up where Steven throws a baseball pass. We've seen how accurate he can be with that baseball pass. We saw it with the heave that he threw to Dennis. We saw it actually a couple games earlier that Chris was basically showing Steven, hey, just throw it like a baseball instead of trying to shoot from half court. And so Steven listened and he heaved in the shot from behind half court that dropped in three huge points for the Thunder in a game that came down right to the wire. So Paris, I'm going to say the three points that counted towards a Thunder win, I got to give that over the CP dunk. I, I like where your head's at. Plus, I really do like the story behind Chris Paul showed him only a few games before. That was in February against Boston when Chris literally showed, you could see him showing Steven, no, throw it this way like a baseball. And then a few games later, he does the exact same thing and it's a bucket. I like where your head's at. I just want to know who taught Steven that shimmy. I have no idea, but they'd get a lot of credit because that was really entertaining. And that was really what, punctuated the moment you know hitting a half court shot that's one thing but after he hit it you, know, you don't see steven celebrate too much but he turns to the bench and he just hits him with a little shoulder rock and you know a, a flash of a grin and maybe a tongue sneaking out of his mouth at the same time it was it was a sight to behold <laughs> certainly I was sad that he said that he blacked out. Like, I was hoping he'd be like, oh, yeah, man, I just had to hit him with the shimmy. Guys always say that. They're always like, oh, I didn't even know that I did that. It's like, yeah, right. You knew. Come on. You knew what you were doing. Come You're on. Right. Goodness <laughs> gracious. You're not all Will Ferrell from old school <laughs> where you just black out and I have no idea. Oh, did I say that? Oh, did I what do did that? I say that? We have now come to that point in the podcast where we want to bless your timeline. And there is no better timeline blessing than a good old-fashioned Star Wars video. And our, our broadcast team put together a fantastic, very entertaining Star Wars video talking about what Abdul said some of his teammates' Jedi powers would be. And it was absolutely hilarious. They put it together. We'll put the link to it in our show notes. But... Star Wars Day, we're recording this on May the 5th, so Star Wars Day, May the 4th, was yesterday, and Nick, I did celebrate. I've been watching the Star Wars trilogies and the series, and it's very entertaining. I see what the hype is about. Hindi wants to know whether today is Revenge of the Fifth, as opposed to, you know, Revenge of the Sith. I, I don't know. I'm just relaying his points. 
that is the most Hindi pun I've ever heard. And I, I gotta say, you, you just gotta keep it rolling. That's what Star Wars does. You just keep the story going as long as you can. Does it I become lo- Return Revenge of the Sixth? <laughs> I mean, you can just keep going. <laughs> oh, you could just keep going, but let's not. <laughs> let's talk about the video <laughs> that that our broadcast team created, which they actually wrote out our audio that we did with Abdul in just hilarious fashion because in the course of conversation, you stop and you start and you fumble over your words. Uh, so definitely go check it out because uh, Dooley was hilarious. And I think Paris, you and I were unintentionally hilarious. Not intentional at all. And at that point I was not very well educated on my star Wars. So um, some of my responses were not um, well educated. You've learned a lot in the last two weeks. I have. I really have. That helped me come up with my return of the sixth joke. (laughs) That's all for today's Look Back Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producers. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.